Welcome to Less Than or Equal on the Relay Podcasting Network. We're the show where we pursue equality and geekdom by celebrating the diverse and their accomplishments. I'm your host, Aline Sims, and today I am joined by Lauren Kinsey. Lauren, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Really excited, and thank you for doing this on short notice. Um, Lauren, who are you? I'm an advocate for women in tech. Um, I'm an advocate for diversity and inclusion in tech broadly, but I have a special um, focus on gender issues in the technology ish- industry. So, so how how did this happen for you? I think all of us who are advocates kind of have an origin story. Do you mind telling yours? I'd love to. Um, so I have a long history of being an advocate for things. <laughs> when uh, when an issue grabs my attention, um, I can get very fascinated with it and dive deep into it. And then I'm sort of a natural communicator and connector. And so I can't help but um, do those things around you know, the issue that I'm focused on. So about in 2014, I was working as a digital marketing consultant and helping small business owners with uh, transitioning their advertising and promoting their companies to online. And um, I decided I wanted to learn to code to expand the skills that I could offer to my clients. And I started looking around for learning resources. I discovered the coding bootcamp industry. I found that really fascinating. And at the same time, I started reading about um, diversity and inclusion issues and specifically the gender imbalance. And I started volunteering. I volunteered with um, Girl Develop It and uh, Cool Tech Girls, which is a local, Cool Tech Girls is a local organization that um, tries to help school-age girls get excited about STEM topics. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm just an avid reader and researcher and podcast listener. <laughs> Yay, podcast. Yay. I love podcasts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and just started talking to people that were working in the industry and trying to get into the industry and became very absorbed in it. Started blogging, um, about the topic and, um, at first, I was really focused on learning to code and helping other women learn to code and really interested in the pipeline as it um, applies to adult women. Uh, I thought if we're just focused on the pipeline for young girls, it'll be a long time before we can fix the gender imbalance. Mm-hmm. But there are a number of women out there in the world that would love this opportunity if they knew about it and knew how to um, get to it. They could get to it quickly. And the boot camp industry shows that you can train people, you know, to get into the industry quickly. So um, I was thinking Columbus, Ohio doesn't have a coding boot camp yet in the, uh, you know, way we typically think of coding boot camps. So I gave a TEDx talk on how women can hack into tech. And I talked about uh, apprenticeships for women, um, the pathways that different women I knew of had taken to get into tech, community groups, apprenticeships, and boot camps. And talked about how Columbus didn't have a coding boot camp yet and encouraged people to, you know, get working on that so that we don't fall behind. And specifically, um, I mentioned the uh, coding boot camps that I knew of that uh, are for women only, because I think that's an accelerated way of of getting women to tech, specifically um, creating a boot camp that's supportive of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
in the audience was a local tech company and they asked me to come in and talk to them. They said they were very excited about, you know, fixing the gender imbalance in tech. And, and so for a while I worked with them on, um, basically it's cultural change work. And I had never done that before. And that really shifted my focus from pipeline to tech culture. Mm-hmm. And um, I decided to not continue working that role because I felt I didn't understand enough about how to create organizational change and cultural change. And so I decided to take some time just to investigate that topic. And while I was doing that, I got the idea to um, write a book and I got asked to give another talk. And the talk that I'm giving is on the 18th um, at a local user group called Columbus Web Group. And it's going to be about how men in tech can better support women in tech. And I thought that was a good topic because we spend a lot of time um, focused on the pipeline, especially for young girls. And and historically, I think this is shifting, but in the movement for change, there's been a lot of focus on how to improve women, mm. um, how to, uh, you know, and some of it's been useful and I think some of it's been really misguided. Um, and so I feel like there are many different approaches to uh you know, fixing the gender imbalance in tech. Um, and uh, so I think it's good to spread it around. Like, look at the pipeline, look at culture, look at public opinion and how public opinion about who a coder is or who a tech person is influences um, the tech industry. Look at, you know, what men can do to be better allies and advocates and look at what women can do to, you know, move ahead, learn how to negotiate if that's necessary, that sort of thing. Yeah, I I love, um, it, it's almost like a holistic approach, right? Because, um, which is kind of what I'm trying to do. I'm really involved with App Camp for Girls and longtime listeners of the podcast have kind of been along for that journey from my first conversation with um, the founder of App Camp to like, oh, hey, I'm starting a Phoenix camp this summer. That's frightening and amazing too. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, there is this, there's this like, oh, it's a pipeline problem and oh, it's a culture problem. And in reality, it's both and it's everything in between. Like it's right. And it's a broader societal issue. Exactly. yeah. 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 So one thing I'd like to explore a little bit is you said something about how, um, Oh gosh, I'm going to paraphrase you so poorly too, is about how the focus has been on changing women to help them fit into the system that exists instead of helping make shifts in the system. And I was hoping, could we explore that a little bit and like, what does that mean? And maybe what that looks like for, for people? Um, yeah, so I think that the idea that, you know, the way to get uh, men, women into male dominated industries is to train them to behave more like men is really misguided. Um, I think that a lot, you know, studies have shown that diversity by itself doesn't necessarily make, um, a company better or any kind of space better. It's really the inclusion that leverages the diversity that makes it better. And so inclusion means, um, having, people feeling safe to be themselves and bring that difference as an asset to the space. And so if you're trying to get um, women, um, you know, and women are diverse, they're not all one way. Um, And if you're trying to get any, you know, if you were trying to get men to all behave in one way, (laughs) that wouldn't be useful either. So I think 
Um, and just culturally, we have um, we have an emphasis on overwork as a culture. Um, not every country does that. There's been studies that show that that's not good for productivity, that if you have life balance, people are more productive at work. And so if we can shift values like that, it benefits men and women. Um, and women, you know, there's been research that shows because of gender imbalance in women's home life, that overwork impacts them more negatively because they're also doing more of the burden of housework or childcare and uh, family care. And so if a culture um, says, prove yourself by working endless hours and being available 24 seven, then that's going to be a culture that's more hostile to women, but it's also hostile to everyone. Yeah. So changing the culture in a way that attracts more women and supports more women, ex- you know, um, excelling is going to be beneficial for everybody involved. Well, and women also tend to be penalized. Like we have this, like you need to, to act more, more like a man to, to paraphrase, you know, you need to take it on the chin. You need to offer, you know, blunt critical feedback. You need to like not pad your statements with, I think, and be more authoritative. But when we do that, then we're told that we're too aggressive and we need to be nicer and to watch our tone and that we need to smile more. And so it's like, you know, it's this whole, it's just this whole big ball of double standards and yuck. Yeah. There's a great book out called what works for women at work. And it talks about that double bind of, you know, if you're seen as nice, then, you know, then you're an appropriate female, but you won't get ahead. And if you're seen as uh, assertive, then you're a mean person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody likes you. And so, yeah. And Lenin talks about that too, the, the um, likability penalty that women face. And teaching about unconscious bias can help people recognize those things, right? When they see it happening, um, that's one thing that I want male advocates and allies to understand is that there are gender biases that play out like that. And, you know, when they have a knee jerk reaction internally to a woman asserting herself, they can question themselves and think, slow down. Is this because of gender? If a man was talking this way, would I feel the same way? Or they can intervene if they see something happening, somebody else, you know, making that um, misjudgment of a woman's behavior at work. Yeah, I um, there are definitely times in the past when I could have used that assistance. Yeah. What are some other things that our allies can do to kind of help bolster us in the workplace and um, to help affect change where they work? Um, well, the first things that come to mind are, um, you know, there's a... You know, you said specifically work, but the whole conference, tech conference industry is really tied into um, excelling at work, right? If you go to conferences, if you speak at conferences. And so making tech conferences safer um, and more inclusive of women is really important. And uh, one way men can do that is by insisting that the conferences that they participate in have um, anti-harassment policies. Um, and inclusion policies. And if they're asked to speak on a panel, making sure that panel's diverse and has women's voices involved. And, um, and 
there's this great Twitter account called Better Allies, Better Male Allies, but it's at Better Allies. Have you heard of it yet? I have not. It's so cool. <laughs> um, so if you follow that, it's full of great suggestions. It's it's um, done in the voice of an ideal male ally. So the voice says things like, I only speak at conferences that have a code of conduct. <laughs> <laughs> So it's a, a great thing to learn from. And then oh, this also is great. Yeah. I just pulled it up as you were talking. Oh, this is awesome. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but no, yeah, let's do so should another, go check this out. Yeah, totally. So another great thing to do is if you're in a position, uh, a managerial position that you review salaries for gender bias and, and correct if there is an inequality there. Um, and Pinterest, for example, did that as part of their efforts. Um, and another thing, if you're in a position, in a leadership position, you can um, publish, like a number of tech companies have done, what their actual diversity stats are, and mm. then set goals. You know, by this year, we'll reach this level of gender balance or representation. And an example of that is um, in 2015, uh, Intel CEO Brian Krasnich um, said that he Intel was committed to full representation by 2020. So that's a really specific, you know, the diff difference between a dream and a goal is a deadline. So <laughs> I'm a big advocate of that. And they're actually working toward it too, which is... Yeah. Yeah. Not just know. setting it. And right. <laughs> yeah. Like they're yeah. actually in... <laughs> You know, they, they're like, okay, you know, in 2014, they did, I believe it was $300 million. Don't, they were like, we're going to spend $300 million on diversity efforts. And then a year later they came back and they were like, Hey, this is really hard. It's like, <laughs> yeah. yes, yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. And if you're not in a position, if you're a man who's not in a position of authority in your company, you can, I mean, I've seen tech companies try so hard to make their employees happy. So they're always gauging what's keeping you happy in the workforce. And so you, you can use your voice to say, you know, what really matters to me is working at a company that has uh, transparency around diversity and inclusion, and that has strong published goals for reaching that because um, your voice is really important to the company that you work at. And another thing to do or be supportive of is bringing in expert diversity advice and trainings, hiring consultants. And I say this as somebody who is not a consultant. Often people think I'm a consultant <laughs> because I'm so visible about this. But um, I'm not saying this to promote myself as a consultant. I'm saying it because if you bring in a consultant specifically you know, somebody who understands the tech industry and understands gender and diversity issues, um, paying for that expertise can go a long way to help your company. And bringing on um, specifically somebody who's going to be in a diversity and inclusion role, I think is really valuable to do too. And, and it's great to have that person be somebody who um, is from an underrepresented group or has even intersecting identities mm -hmm. so that they have a personal experience of that. Former Less Than or Equal guest, um, Ash Dryden, I'll put on a link to her yes. website and her episode, um, is an excellent person. If I, She's super busy, um, but I think her website even has resources for other consultants. So even if she's and unavailable. she's growing her team, too. Oh, she's yeah. so amazing. I want to be her yeah. when I grow up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's awesome. So even if she's not available, she might have somebody on her team that's available. So. Yep. 
Um, and then um, it's also important to when, so getting back to how to be a great male ally, um, if a woman shares with you that something sexist or gender biased happened to her or just something even uncomfortable culturally that made her feel like an outsider, listen to her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, really, you know, take the time to understand it's, you know, I think, you know, people feel defensive, like they don't want to believe, everybody wants to believe that they're in a meritocracy mm -hmm. um, and that that couldn't happen here. But it really is a double whammy if a woman is experiencing something like that and then, you know, risking telling somebody she trusts to have that person not believe her or take her seriously or, you know, work with her to address whatever the thing is she's bringing up. And it's statistically, if you're a very logic driven person, I have a feeling a lot of the people on the show or a lot of people who listen to the show are very logical, you know, developers and the engineers of some sort. Like it's statistically unlikely that a woman is lying about harassment or, or abuse in the workplace um, because it is so hard to speak up when something like that happens, even to friends. And I can mm -hmm. say this from experience. It just, it does not happen all that often. I'm not saying it never happens, but like from a statistical standpoint, it is likely that if a woman comes to you and says, this happened to me, she's telling the truth. Yeah. She has so much to lose by um, saying that that happened. And I think every woman kind of understands that, that it's a huge risk um, because there's a lot of blame the victim mentality and negative repercussions for women who speak out about negative things that happen to them at work. So it's a pretty good chance that what you're hearing is the real deal. And, you know, at the very least, um, just being respectful and listening and being supportive so that, you know, and asking what that woman, you know, how you can support her. I think that, um, in any attempt to be an ally to an underrepresented group, um, one of the most common mistakes is to think you know better than the person that you're trying mm -hmm. to help. <laughs> like, I'll help you because I know better. And it, that's the wrong attitude. The right attitude is to um, ask that person how they want to be supported and, you know, be receptive to feedback if you do something that backfires. <laughs> which can happen nobody said being an ally was easy it's just not. worth it <laughs> so hard yeah so here's a question that's been on my mind for a while um because I've, i'm facing this not on the topic of gender imbalance so much as racial imbalance but there are so many parallels to um the behaviors of the people in the majority and mm -hmm. that's um you know like I don't know. I was, I'll say a very blanket generic thing on Twitter. Like if a white person has like definitively has the solution to ending racism, I know what not to do, you know, because <laughs> like if you see the Buddha on the road, then that's not the Buddha. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, like if you were definitively telling me you have the solution and, and I know, like, I know you haven't talked to a person of color, like I am going to disregard everything you have to say. And yeah. I got lambasted for that privately. Aww. Um, 
So, you know, but and and there there's a lot of like this perception of like, well, racism doesn't exist. And if people would just stop committing crimes, then they wouldn't get, you know, and a lot of like this negative stuff. And it's hard. Um, like, I don't know where that tipping point is for some people, but how can how can women and male allies help the people who have kind of not made that leap to realizing that there is a gender imbalance specifically in the tech industry. Like how can we help them understand? Do you have any tips or like languaging ideas for us? Well, I think that if somebody doesn't understand, but they show a willingness to understand, then there's room. But if somebody doesn't understand and they show no willingness to understand, then it's better to focus on um, what you can get done with the people who are willing. Doesn't that suck? Yeah. <laughs> but you can get a lot done with the people that are willing. That's you so know? true. Yeah. <laughs> so um, there are a lot of people that I've met that um, are just at various stages of learning, but they clearly want to learn. And, and that's, you know, the most fruitful place to put your time and energy is helping those people. Because if somebody's, I mean, it's like any new concept, if you can, you can put it in front of somebody, you can put facts in front of somebody all day, but if they're not open, nothing will stick. Yeah. Yeah. It's the worst. But on the other hand, I remember being there. Um, So... (laughs) There's hope. What, what changed you? Um, honestly, um, so the gender, you know, gender imbalance has always been something that I've been keenly aware of. But um, but I grew up in a very white area, um, a very small town, very white area. And I have kind of moved from white area to white area unwittingly <laughs> throughout my life. And um, I was not aware of the extent to which racism is still present in our country until the events of Ferguson. Um, So it's like, I had like this vague idea, you know, there's still, there's still some issues here, but over the last, I don't know, 18 months, I guess not quite 18 months since, since all of that unfolded. um, I've really, really had quite the awakening. Um, and it was hard. I'm I'm not going to lie. It was really, it was brutal to just yeah. kind of sit in that and realize how bad it is for so many people and how I've, I've benefited without even knowing it. Mm. Yeah. Privilege is never fun to admit to. Yeah. <laughs> Come to terms with. Yeah. Well, and I think that's why so many people are resistant, right? Because yeah. it's like, oh, this sucks. I mean, it's awful. Well, we live in, so have you heard about growth mindset? I love the concept. I have. Would you explain it though? So the idea that um, we have to prove our worth by what we know and what we've achieved, um, I think is really toxic in our culture. And growth mindset's the opposite of that. It's where, um, you know, it's okay not to know. It's, uh, curiosity is the value and the valuing learning is the value. Um, and I think that when our identities are wrapped up in, well, I own these things or I've achieved these things, then, um, we're really set up to be resistant to realizing that 
we didn't earn what we have, that a lot of things in life that we have are because of luck or because of an unfair system that played to our advantage. Um, and I think that if we can shift our thinking about where we get our value as people, that will help create a more egalitarian world. I do wonder, um, so Craig Ferguson has this wonderful monologue about how um, we as a society, and by that I mean kind of Western American culture, how we started revering the young instead of respecting the old. And I'm, I wonder how much of that also plays into this this mindset of like having earned earned everything and like because it's I'm going to show my bias here. That's the thing I say a lot, but like it's um, I recognize some of my bias anyway, That's though. Good. That's very good. <laughs> but uh, it's a very immature point of view, like to be like, I I earned all of this. Like this is all mine. Behold, yeah. behold my kingdom instead of. Like And I think to your point, it encourages us to kind of stagnate and not to like mentally expand and, and learn very different things that kind of keeps us cornered. Right. Right. Because any opportunity to learn and grow can be a threat to um, your self-identity as somebody who knows everything you need to know (laughs) already. And, and if, and if you struggle with a particular thing that can undermine the self-confidence, you know, I am an inherently intelligent person as if that was some measurable quality that you just have or you don't. Yeah. Well, that that's that's an uncomfortable feeling, though, too. (laughs) I have to admit, like sitting and stewing in something like I I still I've been saying this for a year. I'm learning Objective-C to various points of activity. But like and I'm like, I don't get this. It's really uncomfortable. I don't like it. And I put it away. Yeah. And it's it's just not a good feeling. Yeah. And it and it hurts more if you think it's a indicator of some inherent part of you when you're struggling with something and it hurts less if you are your identity isn't um connected with thinking of yourself as a fast learner or mm, somebody who just smart, gets code yeah. or yeah whatever the um there's a humility to a growth mindset where um you understand that we're all connected and all influencing each other at all times. And, um, it's just a different paradigm of the world. I think I'll get there someday. I'm working on it. (laughs) We're all working on it together. (laughs) Those of us who can see that that's a shift we need to make. I think that we'll have so much more, um, positive outcomes of, of our educational process and the work that we do if we can get there as a culture. Mm. And I think that the part of what's exciting about technology is um, the agile teams and the understanding that people function better as teams and that, you know, information sharing versus information hoarding, it makes better outcomes for everyone. So I think that that can be a model of how we can think about ourselves. Yeah, definitely. That's one thing the internet has helped me personally with, you know, sharing, like I used to cling to my ideas. Um, 
I used to be pretty arrogant. I, I think is a thing I'm learning about myself. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm the, one of the smartest people in the room. I can learn anything you throw at me. Um, I hated to be corrected. I hated to be, you know, like anything that might be like, Hey, you know, maybe you could have done this a little differently. Like I would immediately get defensive. So I've from 23 year old Elaine to 33 year old Elaine, we are very, very different people. Um, and I'm really grateful for that. But part of that is because of the internet and like this exchange of ideas and thoughts and, um, you know, there are definitely the, the bad corners where you don't want to go, but I think that that helps us so much. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. The more connected we are and the more um, we see that we can benefit from um, being open-minded and willing to grow, the better we're off. Totally agree. So one of the things that you talked about a little bit and I'd like to explore a little bit more with you is um, you gave a TEDx, a TEDx talk um, on how women can hack into tech, which is what you you talked about it a little bit. But um, as someone who aspires to do more public speaking, I'm really interested in hearing about the that process and what it was like for you. So um, you. To do public speaking, it really requires a growth mindset. <laughs> I keep shocked. <laughs> like if you think that you're going to be perfect and the best speaker that ever was, um, you're setting yourself up for a really painful experience. But if you're willing to just um, put yourself out there and you know fail publicly, <laughs> then that's the biggest hurdle to overcome. I think. Are you um, familiar? Are you familiar with Sean McCabe? No, who's that? Okay, so he he's actually my husband's boss. Um, I'll say who my husband's boss is, but I won't say the company I work for. Anyway, so Sean McCabe <laughs> um, is a, he started out as a lettering artist and he's now, he teaches kind of entrepreneurship and um, how to grow, how to grow your business. And um, he, he talks about iterating in public. Like yeah. you have to start somewhere. You're yep. never going to be perfect. So start somewhere and sometimes you're going to fall on your face and that's when you learn how to stand up and walk again. Like, yeah. but the important thing is that you're like, you're actually putting yourself out there and doing it. Yes. And you get desensitized to it. Yeah. <laughs> like, anything that humans find scary and they learn how to break it down into small chunks and then expose themselves to in greater measure, uh, you can desensitize yourself to the fear of it. So the same is true of public speaking. Like if, if I'm talking to somebody who's just really scared to do any amount of it, then, you know, start with a lightning talk at a local user group with people you feel comfortable with and, you know, and just, uh, try to be horrible. (laughs) And then you'll probably, you know, be better than what you thought you were going to (laughs) be. And then you'll have a win. (laughs) So with the TED talk, um, I had to create a pitch video talking about what I wanted to talk about. And the theme of uh, TEDx Women was um, the power in our stories. So uh, I made my pitch about the power in, you know, women's voices in tech, um, women's stories in tech. And um, then I had to, you know, once I was accepted into the 
um, speaker lineup, I had to work with a speaker coach. And the first thing she said to me was that I was trying to boil the ocean. So <laughs> you have to narrow your scope to give an effective talk. If you try to talk about something that's too big and too broad, you won't be successful. So that's painful in and of itself, trying to um, take your big ideas and <laughs> focus on some small part yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, and then... Um, the title of the talk, How Women Can Hack Into Tech, uh, makes me uncomfortable to this day because I hate titles that promise more than they deliver. Mm. <laughs> like clickbait, like this will solve all your problems <laughs> in four easy One steps. Right. <laughs> yeah. But um, the, you know, the reason that the title was what it was was because, you know, my coach was encouraging me to have something um buzzy and short. I'm, I'm sort of nerdy when it comes to titles. I like really long titles with a bunch of qualifiers. Very descriptive, right. Yeah. This is so, what you're getting. Yeah. So you might, uh, as part of your process, wind up with a title that's <laughs> not what you would like. Um, and uh, what I did was uh, I didn't have a personal story of how I had gotten into tech because I was still in the process and I'm still in the process of learning to code and not working in the tech industry. So I um, wanted people to understand some various alternative pathways specifically, um, not the mainstream computer science degree pathway um, because I want accelerated pathways for adult women who mm -hmm. are um, on their second career. And um, I think that's just going to be more and more of a necessity um, as we enter the fourth industrial revolution. Everything's changing. Um, jobs are going to be disappearing and whole industries are going to be in upheaval and people are going to need to learn these skills. And so um, I think the boot camp industry is just the beginning of how we handle that as a culture and making sure that that's uh, a very inclusive pathway is how we're going to keep um, the change from just widening income inequality between haves and have nots. So, um, so I talked to, I interviewed women, I, I uh, got legal disclaimers from them so that I could use their images and their stories that they shared with me. Um, and that's important too, when you're giving a talk that's going to be high profile, make sure that your images are, um, you have legal right to use them, that, um, that, you know, if you're using somebody's story, they've explicitly given you permission to do that. Um, and, uh, and then, uh, then the, then I just worked to really, um, practice, the talk. I think a big error is thinking that you can just get up and wing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my advice about giving public talks is to find people to run it by before you're running it by a room full Everybody, of people right. or 500 people. Or, um, so yeah, that's what, that's my summary of that experience. It was, it was very good and it really, um, connected me to a lot of people that I wouldn't have connected to otherwise. So I really highly recommend that women um, speak and get out there and just start because it's an amazing tool for 
building a network for yourself of support and um, you learn so much from giving a talk. The best mm-hmm. way to learn anything is to teach it. And so take something that you, you might not know a hundred percent, say, you know, it's 70% and then learn it while you're preparing your talk. <laughs> um, I know that, you know, the idea is that you're supposed to be an expert on whatever you're talking about, but I think it's a great way to become more of an expert on a topic is to, and women tend to hold back um, and not apply for jobs if they don't think they're 100% qualified. And same with talks, like how could I give a talk on this? I'm not an expert. So it helps to know that you don't have to be an expert. This can just be something that you're interested in and passionate about. Yeah. I So I give a talk at AltConf, which is in San Francisco, and it's concurrent to Apple's big developer conference um, every year. I think this is, this last year was the third year, I think, that they've done it. Oh, cool. And I went to the one in Detroit. AltConf. AlterConf? Uh, Ash, yeah, AlterConf. Yeah. Is that the one you're talking about? No, that's actually different, and it, I confused oh, them in okay. my head. So. okay. AlterConf is also great. It has not been to Phoenix, so I have not gone to one. But um, okay, so there's something called AltConf. Yes, yeah. Okay. And AltConf is is very Apple centric, um, oh, okay. techie talks. But I gave last summer. I gave the uh, seven ways to um, to increase diversity. Um, and my mistake was it was a really heavy talk, and I was so nervous that I ended up just like reading it because. It was like every word has to be right. I wasn't, I, it wasn't a talk where I was like, oh, I can get, you know, I can get my script and if I deviate from it, I'll be okay. It was like, no, every, everything has to be precise. Otherwise I'm saying something completely wrong. And that's Mm -hmm. not a good, good first talk since college to give. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Bravo to you though. That's great for that you did that. It turned out pretty well. I'll link to it in the show notes. It's a, it was, I think it was a 20 minute talk. It's not too long, but it yeah. was just like, it was like the stakes are so high. Yeah. And, um, and so, I mean, if, if, if you're really steeped, if you're not 70% there and you're 100% there and you're an expert in that, you know, I think, I think definitely go for a talk like that. But if you're like me and you're like 70% there and you were, you know, trying to make this really inclusive talk for like LGBTQAIP community members and women in tech and people of color and, you know, people who are disabled and yes. like all of you this. You boiled the ocean. <laughs> when you said that, I was like, that's what I did. And I mean, it turned out okay, but it, I, I could have definitely picked a thing and done better with it. And so that, yeah. that yeah. really resonated with me. Yeah. But it turned out it turned out okay. Yeah, it was a yeah, learning experience. Thing. Yeah, don't be afraid to you know shoot for the moon and you know land among the stars. When um, I used to have anxiety about like everything I did, I would be like, you know, I would analyze it to death. Mm-hmm. And I was in therapy because I was always anxious. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and she, my therapist was, was wonderful. And, um, and she would look at me and she'd be like, okay, so what's the worst that happens? Like, I was like, well, what if it goes down this lane and I, I lose my job? And she's like, okay, what's the worst that's going to happen? I'm like, well, I won't be able to pay my bills, but I'll be okay because, you know, like Justin makes enough money that we're not going to lose the house and that'll be all right. And, you know, we'll still have the car and that'll be okay. She's like, so nobody's going to die. Nobody's going to, you know, like uh, it's yeah. not going to be catastrophic. It's going to be unpleasant, but it's, 
it's going to be okay. And it's like, so now that's my lens. Like I go down the worst yeah. path and I'm like, yeah. what is the worst that's going to happen here? Yes. Yeah. That is a great thing to ask yourself to kind of put it in perspective because, um, the fear of public speaking is one of the most common fears. And I imagine, especially for women and then especially for women in tech. And so thinking about really what's the worst thing that can happen. Um, I know that um, stereotype threat is a really big deal. You're afraid that if you give a tech talk as a woman, you're going to ruin it for all women of all, <laughs> all who come after you. <laughs> um, but really, realistically, if you think about worst case scenario, it's, it's not as dire when you examine it when you examine the fear. We'll get back to the show in just a second, but I wanted to take a moment to let you know that this episode of Less Than or Equal is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code equal at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace, build it beautiful. So when it comes to giving yourself a place online, there's nowhere better than Squarespace. They put all the power you need into your hands and take away the pain points. You don't have to worry about hosting. You don't have to worry about scaling. You don't have to worry about what to do if you get stuck with something because they have world-class 24-7 support with live chat and email. They have teams located in New York, Dublin, and Portland, so lots of time zones who are there to help you. And they have a commerce platform, which allows anyone to add a store to their Squarespace site. You can build a cover page, which is a great building single page website, and they've got rock solid, fast hosting and so much more. Less Than or Equal used to be hosted on Squarespace before we joined Relay, and it was a great experience. We always, always got support when we needed it, which was pretty rare. And if you want to stretch Squarespace even further, you can check out the dev platform, which lets you dig into the code and tinker with your Squarespace site for even more customization. And if you sign up for a year, you can also get a free domain name, which allows you to choose exactly what you want your site to be called. These plans start at just $8 a month. So start a trial with no credit card required and start building your website today by going to squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code equal to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for the show. We thank Squarespace for their support of Less Than or Equal and all of Relay FM. Squarespace. You should. So I'd love, um, as a last thing before we wrap up, I'd actually love to talk to you a little bit about AlterConf, um, which is Ash Dryden's conference series that she puts on, because I think that she does so many innovative things and amazing things, but I haven't actually been able to go to one. So I was hoping, could you talk about what, what one is like? And that way, when I tweet about it and say, hey, there's an AlterConf coming to your area, then people will be like, oh, yeah, I know what to expect from that. Yeah, I think they're so um, different um, depending on where they're happening um, because they are organized by local organizers. So I think the where AlterConf really is amazing is um, it's you know they're they're very focused on accessibility um, and you know for people like. If there's any physical limitations you have, they're accommodating for that. Um, I believe they pay their speakers they do. too, um, which is great because their speakers are often very diverse people that normally are not getting paid to speak out there at tech conferences. Um, and uh, it's a yeah, it's a great diverse lineup. So if you want to go to a conference um, where you actually see 
uh, diverse representation and see what inclusion looks like. Uh, it's a good example that I think the rest of the industry could learn a lot from. Yeah, I mean, she really, they put a lot of thought into it. Like, there's child care available. Mm -hmm. um, there's, don't they have live closed captioning? So if um, if you're deaf or hard of hearing, if your hearing is not, you know, God, I always struggle with how to put things. Um, yeah, I know. Well, well, that's because the language around this um, is debated, right? right? So there's no language around quote unquote disability that everybody agrees is the right, right language That's to true. use. So it's really a struggle to figure out how to use the most appropriate language. Yeah. And it's, I try to do people first. So people who are blind or people who have low vision or, you know, but I, I don't always start out the right way. So, but yeah. Anyway, yeah, they have closed captioning. They have, I mean, even from the meals, they've got like gluten free options and vegan options and, um, you know, all, all sorts of stuff. So I think yeah. it's, it's just, it would be a really cool place to go. Yeah, it's definitely good. Um, and you brought up one other thing, um, that, that I'd like to talk with you about just, just briefly, if that's okay. Um, you brought up the thing where often people who are marginalized are not paid to speak and, as tangentially, they're also not paid for like diversity efforts. So people want women to come help, you know, sit, sit on our, I don't know, our gender diversity board or whatever, but they're not compensated for that. Um, and there's, as we see this diversity push, I think in, in the tech industry, and especially I think more than a general diversity push, we're seeing it. Let's, let's get more women in the space. But as we're seeing that, I'm also seeing conferences who are like, well, we'd, we'd love for women to come speak, but we're not going to pay you and we can't pay for your, you know, your room and board or your flights or anything. So if you can come here, then we'll give you the privilege of speaking at our conference. Otherwise, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> and um, I guess I just kind of want to, to bring that up and how, how conference organizers need to do better on that. Yeah. Front. They should hire Ash and consult they with her should. on how she managed to make sure that all the speakers are paid <laughs> because she figured that out. So it can be figured out. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so, so do that. And I think if, um, dear listeners, if you're thinking of attending a conference, maybe look and see if the speakers are paid, um, yeah. rather than just expected to be there because that's, that's a huge, I mean, it, it it's limiting, right? You're, you're limiting things to the area you live in or for people who can afford to fly across the country to do things. And that's automatically like, that's going to skew what the conference is like. And if you're looking for more um, information about how to, you know, give good um, talks, there's this woman named Karen Caitlin, who's another consultant in the tech industry. She um, has a degree in computer science from Brown Uni University, and she was vice president at Adobe Systems, and now she's just doing consulting in the tech industry. Oh, cool. Um, and she's actually the creator of the um, Better Male Allies Twitter account. <laughs> and um, she uh, is publishing a book, and I can't remember the name 
uh, of the book off the top of my head, but it's about how to speak. Um, and she wrote it with another woman. Oh, Kate. Kate. Kate is going to be on the show in the next couple of weeks, actually. Oh, yeah. Kate is the woman that Karen wrote it with. Oh, because I'm ta- I'm talking about Karen Caitlin, like C A T L I N. Okay, no, she's not going to be on the show in the next few weeks, but but she should be. Yeah, I know someone to ask <laughs> I'll send you her information. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, Jen Myers also. I don't. I don't think she does it anymore. Maybe, but she was um, giving um, free coaching to underrepresented minorities who wanted to speak because she um, really used speaking in the tech industry as a way to, you know, grow her career. Um, and so she wanted to share that information. Um, and so it's um, Jen, J-E-N Myers, M-Y-E-R-S dot net is her website. But even if she's not doing that coaching anymore she has great stuff that she's written about how to speak and so great because i'd love to see more especially more people of color and women of color who who can stand up and talk about issues in tech because um i'm not saying that we have just the the women in tech problem solved but i think that it's it's closer than the the people of color and especially women of color in the industry. I'd really like to think of ways to help bolster them. Yes, I agree. In the same way that we um, advise men in tech to support women in tech by putting them front and center, I think that um, you know white people should do the same thing for people of color. Absolutely. Um, try to put them out in front. Yep, I totally agree. Well, Lauren, we're not quite at an hour, but we've had such a rich conversation. Um, where can people find you online? Um, I spend a lot of time on Twitter. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. um, my Twitter account is Lauren M. Kinsey. So L-A-U-R-E-N-M as in Michelle and Kinsey is my last name, K-I-N-S-E-Y. Okay. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, I've, I've enjoyed talking with you. Yeah, I've enjoyed talking with you too. Thanks for doing this show. It's a great resource. Thank you. Um, and dear listeners, you can find the show on Twitter at less than or equal. If you have feedback, suggestions for guests, or would like to be a guest, you can go to relay.fm forward slash LTOE and fill out the contact form. If you have a few minutes, it would really help the show if you'd leave a review on iTunes or more importantly, tell people about the show so they can start listening. Thanks for listening. Until next time on an internet near you, I'm Aline Sims for less than or equal.